0: Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shireen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. This is Shereen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. My goal for this show is to educate and help in the healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic violence. If you are listening tonight and would like to get in touch with me by email, uh, you you can do so, and my number is... Shireen, uh, S-H-A-R-E-E-N-E, C-W-R at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. Um, my show is on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Central, 7 Mountain and 6 Pacific the second and fourth Thursdays of each month. Now, the fourth Thursday of this month is Thanksgiving, so we will not be having our show, and I want you to eat lots of turkey and stuffing. Okay, you can also hear my show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play if you subscribe to those services. And if you want a direct link to those services, uh, you can go to our homepage, cwrtalknetwork.com, and click on the logo for that service. If at any time you experience a trigger by this topic, please call the national hotline, and that will be 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. And we will be right back for a public service announcement.
1: Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org.
0: Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back. As you know, um, my goal for this show is to talk about the healing journey, and so I invite different people for that. Uh, Tonight, we're going to talk about healing. It's a very difficult topic to talk on. As um, people know very little about abuse, and you do not heal directly from abuse. For those that don't know much about abuse, You, you heal from the conditions or the issues or the things brought about by abuse. In my dissertation, as a lot of you know that I'm writing, I use these terms that the survivor needs to heal from, or um yeah the conditions and the issues that the that that the survivors need to heal from and that's uh, the worst is post traumatic stress disorder uh followed closely behind by depression and anxiety, and after that, suicidal ideation, substance abuse, loss of self efficacy. If you don't know what that is, that's taking care of yourself by yourself. Sometimes people lean towards social support for that. Fearfulness and increased emotional stress. There are many different methods uh, for strategies to help cope with or eliminate these um, issues. So um, I invite different people to ha- um, on the show to help us get a new perspective um, and a new scope of what works for them. While reviewing uh, different literatures, as you know, I have to read articles all the time for my dissertation. And just the other day, I was reading one uh, that did a study on what women go to to help them heal or help them cope with these these different strategies uh, for these different um, issues. Now the first uh, and the most popular was social support. That's family, friends, or a partner of some sort for tangible, emotional, informational support. And what this was helpful for was to cope with flashbacks, psychological distress when exposed, and emotional numbing. The second highest, which I don't recommend, but it was the second highest in their study was doing nothing. Absolutely nothing seemed to work for them. I I wonder what doing nothing actually entailed. But anyway, uh, the third one I also do not recommend, but I will tell you, I am surprised it is not number one, because this is the number one thing that I hear that most women turn to almost immediately during abusive situations and following and that is drugs alcohol and smoking so substance abuse and what that was helpful for was ptsd symptoms of intrusive recollections and what that is is, um, what happens to me is sometimes I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden I'll just have this like argument going on in my head, and it all stems from my abusive situation, and and I have to realize that and and make peace <laughs> as I'm going down the road or whatever. Uh, but that's what intrusive recollections is just thoughts that come to your mind, not flashbacks per se, because that was already um, that's quelled by the social support but um it's a little bit different than that it's more of things that come to your mind and you start to get angry and you're like why am I getting angry this doesn't even matter uh number four uh which I was hoping would be higher uh was electronic media and uh that was they use uh tv radio computer Computers, uh, video games, and music to help them cope with distressing dreams, which I thought was pretty interesting. And the fifth one, now I think I said this, there was 19. The fifth one is religion or religious coping. And that was uh, uh, the comment that was made by one of the women there was, I prayed to God and asked God to give me strength. So that's what um, those areas cover. Now, the person I'm going to have on tonight is Mary, and I just love her. She's going to be absolutely amazing. You'll learn a lot from her. Mary is an entrepreneur and a single mom of four crazy kids. She's a virtual assistant. We can ask her what that means later. <laughs> Has worked putting on many conferences in the holistic health field. She is currently in the process of co hosting another conference with Raw Chief Wendy Thusen. And I actually know what Raw is about for sure because I went to their last conference. Set for February of 2019, this conference will focus on slaying dragons. It is about overcoming and healing from abuse and addiction, health challenges, mental health, and more. She is also hosting a group mentoring program for divorced women starting in January. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. Getting divorced was the was the blessing she never wanted and has opened doors she never would have even looked at before, including being a public speaker, and entrepreneur in the market marketing field. She wants all survivors of abuse everywhere to know that it does not define them and they can rise above anything they put their minds to. She is not a victim of life and neither are you. Before I start with questions with her, um, I want to share my deepest sympathies for thousand oaks, california. My prayers are with you. Uh the sadness that's going out there is 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 tremendous. Um not only did they have that that awful thing happen last night. They um of shootings. Uh they have uh fires that broke out today all over and uh, they've actually shut down highway 101 for it. We're going to talk about healing as i said. Um some of you may know um a little bit about that or not and let me welcome Mary to our show. Mary are you there?
2: I am.
0: <laughs> did you get all that?
2: I did get all that.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay crazy. so I first want you just to share a little bit about uh, and I do have to tell you Uh, The raw, I I don't know what that stands for, but I went to a conference of theirs just uh, uh, September, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. In Salt Lake.
2: It's Raw raw Chef Wendy. Her last name is Susan. So it's Wendy Susan, and she kind of goes by that that title, I guess, as Raw Chef Wendy. She healed from a lot of chronic illnesses by um, going on a raw diet. So raw fruits and vegetables, probably raw vegan. I'll have to get more specifics on her from that. But,
0: um, yeah, she is pretty amazing. Wow, that's great. Oh, now, okay, so this is different than – because the raw R-A-W was Native Americans that I went to in September. Ah, okay, okay, yeah.
2: So a little
0: bit different.
2: different. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, But anyway – yeah share your experience and 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 your healing experiences with us. you know what you did to help you and every everything and I'll just ask you questions along the way and if anyone would like to call in uh let me give you the number it's nine one seven eight eight nine eight zero seven eight okay, go ahead, girlfriend all right
2: well um hello everybody um like Shereen said, "My name is Mary, and I have been um, separated and divorced now for three and a half years. We were married officially on paper for eight years, but we separated right around that that seven year mark. And um, I, my situation was such that, you know, you you hear um, kind of you hear stories where." the relationship looked really great and then they got married and then that's when, you know, the switch flipped. That was, that was a lot of how my experience was. I think there were other people in my life that maybe saw it coming when I didn't see things coming, but, um, it was made very clear to me the night of our, um, our reception after our wedding that there was something off in our marriage that it was not, this wasn't quite how I expected, um, our marriage to be and just um because this is the the topic that we're going on i'll go into a little bit of what uh what that looked like um so you can kind of get an idea of what psychological abuse looks like and because it can be very subtle um i have talked to people about my situation and i've gotten blank looks like they have no idea what i'm talking about and um and other times I have found that I can't go into it at all because you can't explain how somebody is psychological, um, psychologically abusive in one sentence. Um, when you're looking at, you know, a physical abuse, it's on the outside. I know as on the inside, it's not as easy for the, the, the people being abused to realize that they're being abused. Um, a lot of times, but on the outside, it would be easy for my friend to look at me and be like, um, he's punching you, that's not okay, you know, it's pretty black and white from the outside perspective, um, but psychological abuse is something that is a lot harder to pinpoint, so um, what happened was we, um, we had our reception um, on the, the second night, I guess, that we had been married. And at the end of the reception, we had a bunch of friends that were going to go out and hang out and, um, you know, play and have fun and, you know, do all those things. And um, my new husband said, you know, he wasn't interested in that. He didn't want to go do any of that. He didn't want to go hang out. He was tired. He wanted to go home. And so me, um, I got married when I was 19, and um, I thought that was kind of weird, but I was like, okay, you know, that's fine, you know, newlyweds. I can handle that. So I, he went home separate from me. He went home, and I took another friend um, who had come in for the, um, for the reception back to my parents' house where she was staying. And when I got home, he was in bed asleep. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. And I remember laying there that night, and I was listening to the sounds of kind of the world outside of our house going on. And I remember just really thinking that there's this, this isn't normal, like there's something going on here. It wasn't too long after that, um, we were both working full-time, it wasn't too long after that, that he um, started coming home later and later. And I um, got pregnant right away and um, I was working full-time and our schedules um, were very different and... But the days that we had off together, he um, he didn't spend at home. He was always off doing something else. It was as if those um, those dating moments that we'd had before where we spent all of our time together um, were no more. And actually, to backtrack a little bit, there were some red flags going on when we were dating as well. Um, in the very, very beginning of dating, you know, he, we went off and we did things with friends. We went to activities. We – we played, we all kinds of stuff. And the farther we got into our relationship, um, the more he didn't want to go out and do anything. In the beginning, he didn't tell me that I couldn't go out and do anything either because at the, at the time, I was, you know, young and in love, and he didn't have to try to get me to not go off and do anything else. I wanted to be with him. And so over right. the time, it really, it really started to isolate me um, from my friends. And that was another thing that started to show up really quickly after we got married is he started to express annoyance at um, Sunday family dinners. You know, that seems like a pretty common thing, you know, when you have family in town for families to do that kind of thing. And he didn't want to come and he wouldn't come. And if he did, he would go in a separate vehicle so that he could leave before me and um he was constantly criticizing me for talking to my mom too much and for relying on her and um, asking her to do things. But the catch was I couldn't ask him to do anything. I couldn't ask him even, you know, to come with me to the grocery store because he wouldn't do it and he would get mad if, um, if I asked him that. And so thankfully I was a strong enough personality that, because this is something that gets people really quickly in these situations is that isolation from their family because they want to stay loyal to their, to their spouse fully. Um, I was a strong enough personality that I was like, "Um, no, if you're not going to be here with me, I'm going to go see my mom and my dad. You know, you're not, I'm not going to not go see them just because you don't want to go see them. Um, The other thing was, is he, um, Tried to pull me away from my my spiritual practices, my church that I belong to. And oh, no. that was another Yeah, that was another thing that I um, put my foot down um, about pretty early on. Now, and, was he the same religion as you
0: or that you thought going into
2: this? Um, he actually was not when I first met him. Um, and so that's actually another piece that can be really important. He started when we were dating, I was very clear in the beginning that I wasn't looking to get married because I was 18, you know? I was yeah. just, I met him at a, a birthday party and he was fun and I wasn't interested in getting married to him. I just thought he was fun right. and cute and all that stuff. And he, about two weeks into dating, he told me that he loved me. And I said, well, yeah. I Whoa. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that.
2: And um. And at first he said, okay, but, you know, a couple months later he said, well, this is how I feel, so I'm going to tell you. And it's really easy as an 18-year-old, especially one like I was, um, well, I guess maybe most 18-year-olds are this way, but I my self-esteem was very low. I was barely starting to kind of come into myself and feel good right. about myself and who I was and put both feet on the ground and... Um, that was when, you know, he swooped in. So, um, it was very easy for me to get caught up in the idea that this, this older boy loved me. So, um.
0: Now, how much older than he was, uh, how much older was he than you?
2: He is three years older than me. So at 18, you know, that gap is, is huge. You know, you get older, that's, that's nothing. But when you're 18 and they, um, and they're, they're in their 20s you know that that gap is pretty big yeah so he um he started dating me and he was telling me he loved me and and i remember him telling me one day um he just would go off he he did this throughout our entire relationship he went off on this this tangent about how he was never going to go to my church and i couldn't make him and i remember sitting there going where did this even come from because we weren't even talking about it it just kind of came out of nowhere
1: yeah, And
2: um, I, he got done with his little rant, and I was like, that's fine. <laughs> and then he kind of stopped and looked at me, and he was like, oh, well, maybe I want to go to your church a little bit. And so he started coming to my church with me and started um, thinking about um, joining that community with me. And I stayed out of it because I had seen those kind of things happen before. I, I knew that game. Yeah. And so I really stayed out of it, and I thought, well, if he does it all on his own, and, you know, then maybe that means something. And it didn't. Um, r- right after we got married, he quit the whole experience altogether, because um, I, I had told him also that I wouldn't marry somebody that drink alcohol. I had seen too many families yeah. torn apart by alcohol, and it was not something that I was willing to um, put up with in my marriage. And um, he started that up again really quickly, and I think honestly for him that was a big part of. Um, so he that was a coping mechanism for him. He listed off those things um, at, right at the beginning.
1: That was
2: um, that was his coping mechanism from his from his childhood, and it just it spiraled downhill. Um, from there, it. Um, and he was about, abused as a child. Yes yep he yeah. had a very um a very hard childhood yeah and so that is something though that women especially we get into it and we go we make excuses you know yeah. he had a hard childhood so you know I'm just gonna love him and I'm just gonna you know do the best I can and be a doting wife and it's my nature I'm not um I mean I do like to dote on the people I love but I'm also very yeah. independent and um, you know, stand on your own TV, you know, take responsibility for what's going on in your life. And yeah, um, I thought in order to save our marriage, that was kind of the person I had to turn into. And that's one of the things that happens when you're in a psychologically abusive relationship is you lose who you are because the way they do things, you start to feel like you're crazy and you yeah. doubt yourself, you doubt your memory. Um, one of the analogies that I use quite often is the your spouse, who's, a, who's abusive, takes your foundation, whatever it was built on, that was good, and they knock it out from under you. So that can come in the form of separating you from your family, separating you from your faith, your spirituality practices, whatever that is for you, Your the things you love and that you're good at. Um, he... Um, wanted me to quit my job so that I could go home and be with the kids, but at the same time was very critical about where I spent money. He would not share his paycheck. You know, it took us a really long time for me to convince him to have a shared bank account. Um, So they take that foundation and they kick it out from under you. They take everything that you were when you met and they get rid of it. And then what they do is they place them there as that foundation. But then the kicker is, is then they will take themselves out as your foundation. So then you're crumbling down with no foundation, and then they run in and rescue you from yourself. So it keeps, it's this game to keep you dependent on them because they've taken away your foundation and put them in that place. And you have to be careful because don't let him go
0: away because then you don't have a foundation. So, yeah. Um, you know, uh, can I share something real quick? Yeah. On yeah. the other hand, um some – uh victims have found that um, abusers like to be taken care of. Now, there are those mm-hmm. that don't want them to work so that they have complete control as well. But right. they also have more control also when they're at home and they're not working because they can bother you at work. They can make sure you're at what time you're home and everything else. And so I've seen that happen on numerous occasions as well. Absolutely, yes. Um, I think with my ex-husband, what he discovered
2: was, because um, he wanted to go off and do his own thing. He would say, you know, he would get off work at 5, and he wouldn't come home till 9 or 10 at night. And he usually was at work with his boss drinking after work for that, you know, that whole time. And what he discovered was, is that if he could get rid of me, if I would ask, if he let me go out to my mom's house, and if he encouraged it, then he didn't have to deal um, with my constant um, what he called nagging, you know, for him to come home. Because, you know, heaven forbid, your husband gets off of work and comes home to, you know, see you and your kids
0: and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, so that, so he can drink more is what it's for or carouse yeah. more, whatever is, is his delight. But, yeah, yeah, can I share something real quick? <laughs> it was Absolutely. hilarious. This happened um, – with my ex-husband um he goes i'm gonna have a few friends over for a couple beers i'm like oh okay and i said so why don't you give me your uh, credit card and i'll go shopping in other words if you're gonna drink i'm gonna spend money right i thought that might deter him chad um and it didn't and so like eight hours into it I'm having a lot a blast with my best friend, right? And we're just shopping yeah. all- away. And 8 hours later I said, "Hey, should I come home now or uh did you want to continue drinking?" <laughs> he goes, "Keep shopping, babe, keep shopping." <laughs> and then I uh, then of course I heard about it later. "Why did you do that?" I said, "Because you tell me to." <laughs> he goes, yeah. "Well, you know I was drinking, you shouldn't be listening to me." I said, "Don't matter. You tell me to, so I'm good." <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. Anyway, I thought I would, you know, have, play it against him. <laughs> yeah, I
2: have found um, you hear sometimes that um, people with narcissistic tendencies won't apologize for things. I, I agree. And this kind of falls into that, that same category. I've actually found that to be not entirely true. And they don't apologize sincerely, but they will say whatever it is they need to say to get the outcome that they want. So if right, right sorry right. is right. going to get them what they want, then that's, yes. you know, that's what they're going to do.
0: Very good. Yes. Absolutely. Apology is an manipulation tool when they need it for sure. Yes. For sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I agree. Yes, very good. So, um and so he is extremely psychologically abusive then.
2: Yes. Yes, he was. The first three mar- or the first 3 years of our marriage, he used to tell me things like um I'm going to go and bury you in the hills. I know where, oh, there's no. places, you know, that I can hide your body that nobody's going to find. And then he kind of started moving into, if you ever leave me and if you ever get divorced and you marry somebody else and our kids like him better than me, I'm going to kill him.
1: Um. And,
2: um, he would always say it in like this, you know, very lighthearted, you know, jovial. Kind oh, I'm just
0: kidding. Manner. They're not,
2: they're yeah. not, but yeah. And, um, <laughs> I, it took me three years. And so this is another thing they do too. They, um, so it took me three years to get him to stop saying that. I kept saying, that's not funny. Don't, um, you can't do that. Um, and I'll point out really quick, one of the things that I think kept my head on as much as it did was him not being able to knock out those two really fundamental foundations that I talked about, um, my faith and my family. I think, um, so if anybody you know passes that on to somewhere else, I think you know if you can keep a couple of those legs in, uh-huh, then uh-huh. that makes all the difference. But um, and that yeah.
0: took a lot on your part, didn't it? It took a lot, yeah. lot, lot on your part. Yep, it did. It was. Um, it was a
2: hard thing.
0: Yep. You know, that was really smart of you because of the fact that it's very difficult um, to even see that they're knocking those legs out from underneath you.
3: And that was
0: very astute that you did that. But I'm glad that you shared that, that you need to have some foundation other than your marriage to make sure that you have stability in your life. Yeah,
2: you have to have a sense of who you are and what you're about. And I think those people that go into um, marriages and situations, this has actually kind of shown me that um, I knew more of who I was than what I realized at the time. But, you know, those who go into situations and marriages that really don't have any foundation in any, in anything, um, they're the ones that I see um, just get swept up and never leave, you know, can never make those, those jumps or it takes them so long to realize what's going on that so many years have gone by that they don't, they don't know the difference. Their, their self-esteem is so shattered and non-existent and dependent upon their spouse that, you know, their mindset is like, well, what would I go to? And, you know, it, it just, it just um who they are. Um, one of the things that I have found is that, People like this, they, they change their MO, so they make it look like they have changed, but really they've just changed the cover of the same book. And maybe right. they're reading a different chapter, you know, of the, of the same book. Um, when I finally convinced him to quit making those threats about killing me and that sort of thing, he switched it over to more of the money type control. Um and he would do things like be on the phone with somebody and, you know, say, Well, if Mary ever left me, you know, I and he's not talking to me, right? But I'm in the room. You know, if Mary ever left me, I would um, you know, be danged if she, I'd let her take the kids or I'd be danged if I'd let her um or if I'd pay her child support or
0: Yeah. Um you know you know that's he paying it now? He, what was that? Is he paying it now?
2: Yes, it actually took me over a year though to get him to pay it i finally um I finally told him um I had been living off of um savings up until that yeah. point and you know wow. at that point you know my my self esteem was shattered my self worth my right. my idea that you know he should be paying child support for the four children that were in my home um that were his needed Mm -hmm. to be, you know, he needed to pay that. So that was just a basic thing. That wasn't even anything out of, you know, above and beyond. Right. Um, Right. But I I finally, when my savings was almost out, I finally had to say, you know what, I'm not going to drive halfway to meet you with the kids anymore. So Mm -hmm. if you want to see the kids, you're going to have to drive all the way here or you're going to have to start paying child support. So, um, a lot of men at that point would have just said, fine, forget it, and not ever come back. Um, yeah. And in my vulnerable state, that—that that is a lot of times what I have, have wished for. But all about, again, it's all about control. Because right. his relationship with the kids is all fully dependent on what control he can exert over me. And there is still right. this element of that control because I have the kids and you have because to you have the kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's amazing how the um how that cycle continues and the layers continue.
0: Well, what amazes me also is some people uh that don't understand abuse don't understand that the basic co- concepts of domestic abuse is power and control by one over another. Like I'll have people say, "Oh, well, I'm probably abusive too cuz I hit him back or I yell at him." And I'll say, uh-huh. "Was your was your feeling to take control of him or to take back your power when they're like, well, it's to take back my power. I said, well, that's not abuse. That's taking back your power. And this is the only way that you see to do that. You know, do I condone hitting? No, I don't. But sometimes when we get so frustrated, we lash out verbally or physically or whatever Mm -hmm. and, um, just to take back our own power, because we are nothing. We are a pet. We are of no value to them. And we are yeah. no consideration, and they don't care about us. In fact, I tell most people, a victim is only a pet to the abuser. They are nothing more than that. They will treat them like a pet. They will act like a pet. They will, uh, you know, just make you do whatever mm-hmm. it is. And you better darn well do what they ask you to do, or you're yeah. up a creek without is, a paddle.
2: That's yeah. Right. Yep, mm-hmm. There's always a punishment in store. Yes,
0: yes, yep. yes. So what are some of the things that you did to help yourself heal or cope with uh, the psychological abuse that he impinged upon you? You know, the number
2: one thing is actually the number one thing that you read off from that article was um, a support system. It was the number one thing that kept me going and kept me being able to do um, to, to do other things like therapy and um, emotional processing and, you know, all of that stuff. If I had not had that support system, it's because, I mean, I, it threw me, if I thought I had depression while we were married, it was nothing compared to the depression that set in after we were um, separated and divorced. And I remember thinking, like, holy cow, what did I do? I was better there. I should just,
0: I shouldn't yeah. have left
2: because this right. rocked my world.
0: Um, because didn't the abuse become ex- exponential after you left?
2: Um, yeah, it did. Um, because there's a, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yep. a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's normal. a lot of, I love you, and I know you have problems, but we can work it out. <laughs> Oh,
0: mine the threats no, got worse. The threats got just worse, uh-huh. just more and more, more frequent and worse all the time. Yeah yeah it,
2: I think that's something important for people to um to know is that um, when you leave most of the time these situations do not get easier, and so you need to make a plan if you're thinking about leaving an abusive situation, you need to start taking you know ten five, twenty bucks out of cash back you know every time you go to the store and hiding it. you need to. Yeah make plans of where you're going to go. You need to, you have to have a plan, um, set in motion, um, or else most of the time you're not going to do anything. Um, and even then I, I have a, I have a friend who's in a, um, uh, emotionally abusive situation and she had it all planned to leave. And then right at the last minute, she just, she couldn't do it. And I wasn't close enough to be there and drag her rear end out of her house. Right. So, um, which we have to respect people's um, agency and their choices as well. But um, right, yeah, um, that's huge. It's having you know sort of plan before you move.
0: Yeah, I, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, the first thing I always tell someone is uh, you need to leave, but first you need to do that smartly, and so you need to make yeah. a plan. My ex-husband's uh, wife prior to me spent nine years doing exactly that, stashing away wow. money. Um, you know, get, you know, getting a job, working more hours, stashing more money, you know, doing whatever she could. She had enough money saved up to buy his portion of their ranch out from underneath them, which was I mean the smartest thing that woman ever did I mean my total hat is off to her she really got the whole picture she had the lawyers down pat she had everything down pat and she got everything she wanted which she deserved as well she spent almost 20 years of hell you know and um, that's what happens but you know one thing that I always add is serve others I found that as I did that um, it helped me to lose to forget what I was going through and I mean if it was even offering to help a little lady across the street you know I mean it was I just looked Mm -hmm. for anything I could do to serve others but you know you're right about the people going back it is really up to them and that's why I think law enforcement and judicial officials need to stop saying no you can't go back you know what it's not their marriage <laughs> these right. women have to make their own decision period yeah. and if it's yeah. physical it's okay if they end up dead that was their choice they made the choice they wanted that choice that was the choice yeah. they made unless under certain circumstances that they're held without their consent um right in my friend Leslie's uh daughter situation that i introduced you to um that that's a different story when they're held beyond their consent but you can't stop someone from going back they it's already a proven fact that at least seven times the victim will go back and it's because the guy is so manipulative plus it's so exponential the the threats everything is after you leave that you're just like i'm just going back it's just going to make my life so much easier just to go back I, yeah. I think I should just go back. And so they go back. And I've had a bishop say to me one time, Why did they go back? I said, Because he now became the person that she married nice, yep. wonderful, kind, loving guy again. And yep. she thinks he can be that for a sustained period of time, which he cannot. And when okay. he becomes the normal person, she will leave again. And this will go yep. back and forth. I said, You just got to say, You know what? I love you. You need to choose whatever it is best that you want to do uh, you that you feel is best for you because everybody takes that control away from her law enforcement takes control judicial officials take the control DAs take the control right out from underneath the victims and it's wrong on so many levels it's just wrong yeah they, they shouldn't yeah. do it because the well, big, the abuser already did that so what ha- what are they doing that's any different than what the abuser did? right
2: right and it's not Teaching them to um, self-advocate. Um, right. So one of the, um, which I think, uh, you know, preventative stuff is so important to me. We have to start teaching our young people what to look out for so that they can recognize these things, you know, if they get into that situation. Um, and one thing um, that happens, you know, if um, when you get out of these situations, if you are not willing to heal in some way, what happens is you end up repeating the cycle all over again.
0: Right. And
2: you bring back in that same type of person all over again. It may look right. different, but it's going to be, you know, again, you know, the, a, a different book in the same series this time. You know, um, one of the one of the things that really Actually, the number one thing that really opened my eyes to my situation and what was going on, because I had been to several counselors over the years, and looking back, I can see now that they were all telling me um, the same thing, that he was abusive. And actually, two out of, I think, the three of them, um, after I got done with my initial little spiel, they both kind of looked at me funny and said, "Um, are you familiar with the term narcissism? (laughs) And I, you know, at the beginning, you know, I wasn't, you know, back then, and um, and they said, well, these are really classic displays of, of narcissism, and I was like,
0: oh. and you're like, wow, wow like, oh. there's a name for yeah. it.
2: I didn't, I yeah, there's a name for this. There's a name for rude people. You know, it reminds me. Of P.S. I love you. They have pills yeah. for rudeness. What?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um,
2: but what really opened my eyes. So this kind of goes back to what you were saying on let people make their own choice and we have to let them let them make that choice was I started looking up on YouTube um, back when I had a dumb smartphone. Those things had, you know, barely started to come out in, in the cool smartphones and I had a dumb one and I um, was looking up <laughs> on YouTube what um, were indicators for an emotional abuser. And because uh, I had started to kind of get into emotional processing and I had started to kind of try to heal myself because I kept, I was still at that point thinking that if I just healed myself, if I just fixed everything about me, then our marriage, you know, would, be yeah, right. a would change yeah. and hallelujah, right? Right. So um, I was looking up um, things relating to him, like what do emotional abusers do? And I remember I could check off every single thing on this list of like 20 to 25 things. But it wasn't that that got me. What got me was I thought I'm going to look up the effects of emotional abuse on the victim.
0: Children. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, on the children, but on the victim, for me. Because I could see him being mean to the kids, but at that point, I was so far gone that I just, I couldn't tell. I didn't know what was what up and down. Right. No, it's um, true. You
0: don't know what truth is. You don't know what reality is. I agree. I saw, that happened to me.
2: Yeah. And so I looked this up, and when I could check off every single thing of the same amount of things, 20 to 25 things on that list um, pertaining to me, that's when I was like, holy cow, like this is, this is real. This is serious. Not only did it check off everything for him, but me as well. And I, um, at that point I was still trying to save my marriage and I thought I'm going to do everything I possibly can. So I showed him the videos (laughs) that I found on YouTube and I was like, see, this is what you do.
0: See, oh, how I am now. Yeah, but <laughs>
2: they
0: they won't ever admit that, though. No, no. no they, in fact, he should project. Day. I bet he projected and said, oh, no, honey, you Everything. don't get it. That's you. That's what you do.
2: Everything. Even to this day, not two nights ago, the exact thing. And it's crazy how they. this will make you feel crazy after, um, after I know. you are even while you're with them. But
0: and that's why victims are like, I think I'm the abuser. You know, I hate yes. it when victims yes. say, Oh no, I think I'm the abuser
2: <laughs> I'm I really like, am mean. I really do have a temper. Yeah. Yes. No, you don't yeah. have a
0: temper, you're in survival mode. Well, yeah, yeah, they maximize what will... you do and minimize what they do and they're the first yeah. ones to say, Hey, I'm the victim of abuse here.
2: <laughs> yep. And because we are good one. people Yeah, because we're good people, it's really easy for us to
0: take accountability. To say, oh my- Yeah, and
2: say, oh, my gosh, I really did lose my temper. I really did scream and yell at you for an hour. It's my fault. It's it's all my fault. I really need to get a hold of that. You know, it's really, really easy for that. And so, yeah, he came back and told me that I um, had mental issues and that I was just emotionally unstable, and he was really (laughs) disappointed in me. I mean, it just – up until two nights ago, like I said, he – um another thing that will get you is he um or they will say things to you that you're thinking in your mind about them like verbatim yeah you know, and I can't tell you how many times that has been something that has that has tripped me up now, three and a half years later, man am I way better about um doing what I need to do to get out of that um, and for me um it it's still that community support. So this this last time that it happened, I knew immediately I have to get myself out of this or it's going to drag me down and it's going to continue on. So I right. called somebody. I called my mom and, in this instance. And it was enough to sit there and have her remind me because you forget. Because mm-hmm. you think you're crazy and you doubt your memory. You forget the things that are going on. So right. um, that that pulled me out of it that's one of the the reasons i'm doing that um that mentoring program that you mentioned at the beginning um in january is because we need that support network we need to know that we're not crazy
0: we do and what what area do you live in
2: i am in utah i'm in eagle mountain utah
0: Oh, Eagle Mountain. Oh, good. I have a lot of friends up there. I need to connect you with them. Uh, Some amazing, amazing groups up that way. Um, One is PICTAR. Another one is uh, Domestic Violence Underground. Uh, Great people, and they have great activities all the time. And maybe you can work your networks together. I work my network with both of them as well from down here. Yeah. Because I'm the only network down here. Where are you at? Uh, St.
2: George. St. George. Oh, oh, that's right. I saw that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got some names that I ought, to hook, I ought to hook you up with down there then.
0: So. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> oh, no, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Okay, girlfriend, you know what? I'm going to have to go to a public service announcement, but it was so right. wonderful having you on. Thank you so much for Thank sharing you. your insights. And, you know, we need to reaffirm what, the, what happens to us and the qualities and, and, and so forth. So that was absolutely magnificent. I so appreciate that.
2: Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, you have a good night.
2: Yeah, you too. Um, can I say real quick that we have a conference coming up in February? If you absolutely mention on Facebook, you um, should be able to find it on there. It's about the, um, um, healing from abuse and substance abuse and things like that. And if you have any questions, you can email me at mary dot sherwood zero eight at gmail dot com. And again, and what was search- the
0: what was the Facebook uh address again? Yeah.
2: It's Slaying Dragons Convention. If you search for that event on Facebook, you should be able to pull it up.
0: Okay. And I'll put that on um several of my uh Facebook sites too. And oh, um awesome. so I'll attach you to that. I have like five Facebooks for that.
2: Awesome. Yeah, that would be amazing. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. And it's again it's in February and um My email, again, is mary.sherwood, S-H-E-R-W-O-O-D, 08, at gmail.com. And you can email me if you have any questions or anything of that sort.
0: Excellent. And I'll I'll, uh, send it out to all my networks. I appreciate your input. And I appreciate your hard work. Oh, thank you.
2: I appreciate you. This is amazing to find this resource on here. We, We need more of them because people just don't know about them. Yeah. No, we so do. We you.
0: do. Have a we do. Okay, girlfriend, you have a good night. All right, thank you. You too. Bye uh,
1: bye. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an
2: average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the
1: length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me, whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration.
0: Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. And um, before I leave, I have a special guest, actually. Um, I have asked uh, a dear friend, Leslie Browning from Texas, and she's also the um, owner and founder of Alicia's Voice. And I asked her to share with us what helps uh, women from, uh, that, have, that aren't abused themselves but their children are abused. What what would help them uh, to help their children, or if their children their child has been killed, what helps them to um, to heal? Hi, Leslie. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Did you hear my intro?
3: <laughs> I sure did. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. I'm so glad you could be on tonight. Um, I know. We have a little bit of time So uh, I appreciate uh, Anything that you can share with my listeners For sure
3: Um, Well you were talking about the healing process And the one thing that That first happens is the shock You know and I want to stress To everybody out there If Which I pray that nobody ever has to go through What I've gone through Um allow yourself time to grieve and have healthy alone time. I'm not talking about crawling a hole and stay away all the time, but have, you know, set yourself some time to grieve alone, whether it's 30 minutes or an hour, yeah. a few times a week. So you can heal your heart. Yeah. And um, also another thing that that is helpful is, Alicia was murdered because of domestic violence and um, reach out to people that have gone through a similar situation that understand what you're going through. Those people are going to be able to completely say they understand and they can, they can be there with you and you can converse with those individuals and know that they honestly understand what you're saying and how your heart is feeling. Yeah. And, and Another thing that, which to me was the strongest point in my life, was the thing that strengthened me the most was my faith in Jesus Christ. I, yeah. I would never have recovered from, and I'm still recovering, and I will always be recovering from this. Right. But, you know, God, he, he picks me up almost on a daily basis because healing isn't just a one-time thing it's a daily ongoing process right. and and sometimes sometimes we have good days sometimes we have bad days and and we are going to have those days but those are the days that we have to just lean on him a little bit harder and and know that we have people that love us and need us to to be there with them and suicide was a temptation in my life early on after her murder. I bet. But I realized, you know, I have two other precious, amazing daughters and eight grandchildren that needed me in their life. And it would just bring more devastation if we as parents weakened, were weak enough to fall into that temptation Yeah, I'd like to encourage everybody also that any amount, any kind of grief, whether it's a a family member, a parent, or a friend, reach out to uh, grief groups. I went to one called Grief Share, which was amazing. And my husband took me kicking and screaming. I didn't want to go. I was (laughs) in that mode where I just wanted to stay home. I didn't want to make new friends. I didn't want to know anybody new. And and I was, I, I tell you, when I got in that car and rode with him, I didn't speak to him the whole way. I didn't speak to anybody in the group the first day, really. But that was the best thing he could have done for me. He loved yeah. me enough to make me do something I didn't want to do.
0: Yeah.
3: And... God brought some of the strongest people in my life through that group. And so in a a nutshell, sometimes we need to do things we don't want to do. Right. When we're going through something like that to help us heal. And um, some people like to write. I'm not a huge writer, but when I'm in the mood, I will journal. You know, write about the good things also. Yeah. About your loved ones, write about the, the the happy times that you've had, and focus on those things. Yeah, <clears throat> and encourage yourself also to uh, go to your doctor and open up to your doctor and 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 have have yourself checked for anxiety, depression, PTSD. Because when these traumas hit, you don't realize what you're going through. You don't realize you have. A, a condition and one thing I personally went through was yeah, I was always the strong one in the family I was always the one that everybody went to so I didn't have time to have depression I didn't have right. time to have anxiety I had to be there and not show emotion for every- to everybody else because I felt like they needed me to be there right but
0: it, did that put too much nutshell, pressure on you Leslie
3: did that?
0: Did the? Did that put I too
3: much pressure on you? It put a lot of pressure on me at the time, and um, but I did it to myself. Yeah. And you have to allow yourself to bond to that trauma. You know, yeah. Going through trauma responses—they're normal responses to an abnormal situation that happens to you that's beyond your control, and there is not there's not any kind of guideline for going through that trauma and healing through it. And there's no timeline. I mean, some people can heal in a year or two. Some people it's going to take a decade because I was, I was told through grief share that the, the more pain you endure was how much more love you had for that person. And that's so true.
0: Yes, you know you have truly been a, a blessing in my life for sure. I'm sure in Tammy's life as well. With um, uh, um, what's her foundation again? Cammy, Cammy <laughs> May Foundation. Cammy May. Um, yeah, it's so important that you guys hang out together and and uh, you know spend time together. I don't know if you have a Facebook just for um, sisters that have. Uh, lost, um, angel babies, but, um, that might be a good idea as well, you know, just for strengthening purposes, but you've been such a blessing in so many people's lives. I'm just so glad that you chose life.
3: Well, thank you. And I am too. (laughs) I am too. And, uh, I'm thankful that every time you call me to be on, I just jump at the chance because if one life is saved, Yes. Alicia's voice was heard. Yes. And if any of you out there who has, if there is anyone out there who has lost a loved one from domestic violence, I want to tell you, feel free to reach out to Alicia's voice Facebook page because you're not alone and there are people that care.
0: Right. There, a lot of people care, and, and that's the problem is, is when you're alone, you think you're alone, and you don't know who cares, and you don't know where to reach out to.
3: True, and I you feel lost and alone. I mean, when it first happens to you, I didn't know what domestic violence was until Alicia was murdered. Yeah. I, you know, I'd heard about little things here and there on television, but yeah. until domestic violence touches your life, you don't know what it is. You're right. And, and it, unfortunately
0: and Go ahead.
3: That's part of what Alicia's voice does is we educate our youth of today what domestic violence looks like and mm-hmm. how to recognize it, to empower these young women and some of these some even young men how to recognize it early on so you don't get trapped in a snare that you cannot get out of.
0: Right. Right. Amazing. Um, You know, one thing that I try to bring to light, and Mary talked about it tonight, was I thought domestic abuse was physical and only physical I did not understand or comprehend The psychological and I'm not sure You could actually even comprehend it Unless you've been through it Um domestic you know I mean? violence,
3: there are so many facets to it
0: Right right And and it's it's hard to even Describe And and I try to describe it And she did a very 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 good job Describing it I will say that It's yes. pretty impressive um, But it's it's really hard to explain to someone Because for some reason When you explain it, it doesn't seem all that bad <laughs> And you're like no You're it not can, getting the picture
3: <laughs> You know, Domestic abuse is an ongoing thing That just gets worse with time It starts yes. out as a trickle And yeah. once the person who's doing the abusing Realizes that Hey they're going to do what I say Let me do more you know, I have I've, I discussed this with somebody else today, and it is so true in, in life today that when they're so insecure in themselves, if they think they can have that power and control, that craving gets higher and higher, and they crave it more and more until the abuse can become physical. And yeah. if anybody is uh, any kind of emotional abuse, if somebody's telling you you're, you're ugly or you're worthless, or if somebody's trying to keep you from going to work to keep you at home, if financial abuse is a huge thing. Also, pay attention and talk yeah. to someone that you trust.
0: Yeah. And and like she said, um, they'll want you to quit your job or they'll want to quit their job. Uh, so uh, they spend all your money while you're working or or you or. Uh, They hide their money from you. Like she said, that's one way of doing it. Uh, They ridicule you about spending money. That's a big, big, big one. Ridicule you about any dime that you spend. Um, She brought that Mm -hmm. up. That was good. Um, Yeah. Financial abuse is absolutely uh, detrimental, but I did like that. She said, you know, save money. I always recommend, Hey, get your own bank account that no one knows about uh, from the day you get married.
3: and another form of abuse that can happen that a lot of people don't even think about is in, in not allowing somebody to further their education.
0: Yeah. Yep. And no, in, in a marriage
3: true. or relationship, you know, talking them into quitting college and let's just quit college and and you you quit college and we'll get married. Yeah. Get that education. <laughs> the education is priceless.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, uh, education, you know, they can abuse using that. Like my um, ex-husband made sure that I was going to school all the time and working all the time because that would give him more time to to do whatever it is he wanted to do without any interruption, whether it be alcohol, Mm -hmm. whether it be, you know, carousing, whatever. He knew he could use that time for him and uh you know it's uh it it's a two edged sword it's but it's truly true that they need to get that education and i didn't stop getting the education i did in the area that i was at at that time because of the fact that well number one i was absolutely a basket case after i left after that all ended because of because i was blindsided i didn't understand the psychological abuse i had been through i had no no idea none and then when he beat the crap out of me that's when I had some idea and I said you know what did I miss here and that's when I started writing everything down and um, that's when I started to to write things down about what's helping me and what can help someone else I wanted people to be able to see these things coming and going and uh, these people you know I wanted other people to see what they look like coming and going it really needed to be like that
3: Yes, it does. <clears throat> and I, another way that you can heal is a lot of people out there feel like they can't talk about their traumatic experience.
1: Mm-hmm. but I would
3: like to encourage you to talk about it, to mm-hmm. open up to somebody that you trust, a, a doctor, your family doctor Um one of your youth ministers or a pastor in your church that you trust, that you know and trust, reach out and talk to somebody. Let someone know about the trauma because there are so many resources that these people have that can help you in ways that you don't realize.
0: Yeah, the shame and the blame is what uh, <clears throat> we have. They make sure that we feel shame and blame.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and, the and blame, it's important it, to
0: yeah. Go ahead.
3: It, it's important to reestablish having that sense of safety again, even as a victim of domestic violence or as a family member of a victim, because when when that comes to you, when it knocks at your door, when that violence happens and hits you in the head, you do have that feeling of of not feeling safe anymore. Right. You, and and for a victim i can only imagine how much more accelerated that is and and there are so many different things you can do to reestablish a sense of safety um, be careful what you do on social media don't don't put your location services on your phone
0: right right
3: so, so people can't and allow yourself to heal the further away you get from the abuse the more confident and happy you're going to be. And when you're happy, that confidence level does go up in your life. You start feeling like you're a person
0: again. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, it's, uh, it, it takes a while to feel like a person again because you're, number one, wiping away all the fabricated lies that you were told, the manipulations, what's true, what's not true. Um, trying to identify who you were, establishing who that is again. Um, several of the p- women that I work with always say the same thing. You know, I turned into something I wasn't. And I'm like, yes. You, they make sure that you turn into something that you're not because that gives them more mm-hmm. control. And and so it's finding who you are once again and being who you are once again. Um, one, my uh, One of my best friends of all time, she said to me, she said, you know, it was, I, I don't, I didn't really get it, but it was like the day you married him, the next day you weren't you again. You weren't you ever after that. You weren't you True. <laughs> until you, you True. divorced him and uh, until you left him. And then you started to be you again. And, um, so I, I just couldn't believe how fast that can happen. Yes,
3: yeah, it can. And you can, it can change you in an instant. It just, yeah. Because you you're you want your marriage to work.
0: Right. Nobody, right. Goes,
3: nobody goes into a marriage saying, okay, well, <laughs> I'm going to see how this happens. And if not, I'll just divorce. Yeah. It, not normal no. people, that is.
0: No, no. <laughs> people and, <you> know, <laughs> and that's what I discussed in my class when I was teaching at the conference was, um, number one, <laughs> who has a fight the first time and then says, let's file for a divorce? Who says that? Who does that? No one. You think, Nobody. okay, I think I can work this up, and then and then I said, keep in mind two things. Number one, women grow up with a baby in their arms, knowing, hey, I'm going to be a mother and a wife someday, and they prepare from birth to be a wife and a mother. Men, they have a football in their arms from birth, and they think about what they're going to do for a job, what they, you know, and then they have to stop for five minutes just before the wedding. Oh, I wonder what it's like to be a husband. You know, <laughs> it's a whole different yeah. mind set and women aren't going to throw it away very fast and and shouldn't right. be forced to do so and uh so anyway it's um I've seen judges say oh yeah you're not going home ever again well that's not their choice that shouldn't ever 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 be in a judge's choice but for some reason judges think that's their choice they can say uh yeah you're not going home again uh, I'm going to make sure you're divorced because this is a bad situation for you. You know what? Who are they that made them God? I I don't know. But, you yeah. know, and like she said, you, these women have to choose to leave. They have to choose to go back. They have to make all these choices on their own. That They need to be well, given something where they can have a choice.
3: They do. But I also have to add that there are so many victims out there, that don't have that choice. The choice is taken away from them.
0: Right. Right.
3: Alicia's her that whole family knew about her abuse and never right. in fact she tried to leave several times and yeah. the last time she left was 2 years before her murder. His family sat her down and told her she was going to go to hell for breaking her family up. Right. And guilted her into coming back. So right. sometimes I, these situations the aren't just within a marriage. Right. And it's it's a whole family thing. And Right. And and that's you know that's when it becomes very dangerous and I would say will probably end in a fatality. And I right. also like to add since we're talking about the abuse if anybody is experiencing domestic abuse and needs help and needs a way out the domestic violence hotline is or you can go to thehotline.org to receive help. And keep that number with you if you need it. Share it with somebody else, but that that number could save a life.
0: I agree. Thank you for sharing that. I shared that at the beginning of the show, but I'm glad you shared it now as well, because some of these topics that we're discussing are triggering for sure.
3: Yes, and and that's another thing I'd like to encourage. If you're getting if you're getting tr- triggered, call that hotline and vent to someone. They're there for that because they've either been through it or have been educated to help you get through it.
0: And, and don't mind sharing anything because I I feared well if I call that number they'll think I'm crazy
3: and 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 it's so not true those people is, are so compassionate and so caring right. and, and if there are any men out there listening that that are, are victims or have been a victim if if you feel ashamed to call a phone number don't feel ashamed to call this phone number yeah. i've called it on behalf of a young man before and they had so many resources for male victims of domestic violence as well
0: yeah that's wonderful yeah, I do know some male victims, and um, it's just heart wrenching. Yes,
3: it is because there's such a shame that comes into the they are emasculated, and right. they feel like they should that, that it's it's, to, it's a mantra that they have they feel like they have to fit in that that it shouldn't happen to a man. Right, but it can it can happen to a man just as easily as it can a woman. A woman can shoot a gun or carry a knife just like a man can.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I will say women, um, by uh, study, they are more psychologically abusive, but they can be physically abusive. Uh, but they typically yes. psychological abuse, and so the guys are probably less likely to see it coming because I didn't know I was being abused when I was psychologically abused. I had no clue. True. None. It's just and hard it's to treat. Unless you're trained in it, it's really hard to see.
3: <clears throat> it is hard to see. You know, and looking back on it, I I look at my daughter's pictures, you know, and I look at her in a whole different light now. I read the looks on her face. More yeah. than just seeing my beautiful daughter in a picture. I I take time now and I read the expressions on her face before her murder and I could see different times to where it almost looked like she, internally she was crying out for help. Yeah, And, and you don't know those things until after it touches your life. And yeah. you have to allow yourself time to heal in healthy ways. You know, it's, it would be easy for the families to just get bitter and hate, but that's not, who God created us to be we are we have to be here to help others and help make this not happen to someone else that it could possibly happen to right
0: uh quick if question. that made any sense. <laughs> Oh, complete sense. Okay, quick question. Since uh, you're an ongoing guest, we know everything about your life. <laughs> my my question is this. Um, can you give us a little update on um, the grandchildren? How is that going?
3: Um, they're still with the other grandparents, and yeah. I reach out from time to time, and um, sometimes I'll get a response, sometimes I won't. Um, I did get a call from the grandfather, who was trying to convince me that Alicia's murder was an accident, and that they're trying to appeal the murder case.
0: <laughs> oh, I bet.
3: And and
0: you shoot someone in head the head by accident? Evidence, How does that work? It's uh,
3: it, it's what people don't realize are those little calls can be very traumatic. Yeah, and, that's true. And.
0: And, it's and a I go whatever abusive.
3: I have to go. It, it very Well, I've told people the abuse has, has shifted now that yes. my daughter's not here. It's shifted from my daughter to me. Yes. And yes. they're trying to do the same things to me that they did to her. Yes. And yes. the conversation was, you know how much Alicia loved you. And Daniel talks about it in prison about how important you were in her life then he goes on to say but you know this was an accident trying to I'm I'm a little smarter than that <laughs> you can't convince <laughs> me of anything I know what kind of people they are I know what Alicia went through yeah and you know I the only thing I can think to do though is it's i i it's sad, the people that they are, the lives that they lead, to feel like they have to deceive people and lie and hide things all the time, yes. and you know that's, it, it, if it's okay, I'd like to bring up a scripture that it made me think of. you know God's That'd word tells great. us that Satan. God's word tells us that Satan comes to kill, steal and destroy, but God brings us life everlasting. Yeah. And I think about that scripture a lot of the times when I talk to him because they claim to be Christians, but it's so sad the darkness that they live in and the, the the darkness that surrounds them. So I'm, as an update, I'm still praying that, you know, God just protects my grandchildren and protects their minds and protects their
0: hearts. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, actually, because... We need to hear it over and over and over again.
3: Well, thank you for allowing me to update you. And any time you need to update, you just reach out to me. and I'm uh, like you, said, you, know you know I need life. you all
0: the time. <laughs> I, I need you all the time. You are such a dear sister. You know, and I want everybody to know that those that have gone through domestic violence, we consider each other sisters, and such as yes, Leslie said, that uh you know it's been it's now on her it, it is pointed at her, and so she's she's not only what we call an angel mother but uh because her angel baby is in heaven, but um she's also a sister of domestic violence and and uh so that's what we call each other as sisters because we are totally we joined a club we did not ask to join, and it is uh it's the hardest thing to endure unless we have our sisters with us and by our side and strengthening us and, and cheering us on. Uh, we can't make it.
3: That's true. And, and you empower me as well. I love to listen to your show and, and your guest speakers. Um, I learn something new every time.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. That's my goal. I, I want everyone to learn something different every time. And so, like my last speaker was uh, very difficult at times to listen to, but he had important things to say. But sometimes hearing the important stuff is difficult. And so yes, it is. Yeah.
3: And it's but nothing about domestic violence is easy, and nothing no. about domestic violence is pretty.
0: No. And I've had friends say that they go, sometimes your show's hard to listen to. I said, yes, it is because the topic isn't easy to listen to. But the thing is, is everybody needs to know about it. They need to learn about, it. they need to understand about it. And once they learn over and over and over and over and over, it will become embedded. And then they'll be able to identify, Hey, that looks like what Shereen's guests are talking about. You know, that's, that doesn't look okay. And and so I think they'll be able to spot things a little bit more. Maybe you'll be able to help pe- people a little bit more. That's what the goal is.
3: Well, thank you for all you're doing out there in well, Utah.
0: Thanks. You're so sweet. And, uh, and, and I look and, forward and
3: to coming to Utah again next year.
0: I was going to tell you, I, I can't wait to see you again. And you you better be showing up on my doorstep. Hey, and I don't mind coming out there sometime, too. We need to get together soon for sure.
3: So come to Dallas, and if you get here, you have a place to stay.
0: <laughs> well, you know I'm coming. I, I, I don't know when, but I want to come for sure because I want to see you, and I want to see your foundation. I think it's wonderful. Okay, I love you, girlfriend. Well, you have you a good night. Much.
3: Love you, too, and thank you again.
0: Uh huh. Good night. Good night, okay. I would just want to finish uh sharing with everybody that uh, my next guest uh first, I want to thank my guests, both of them for tonight and um they had awesome things to say, and I was very grateful and appreciative to their insights. Um, my next show will be on December 13th, and I will have Kristen Williams. I had her a couple months ago, but she's going to talk a little bit about the Cut It Out program. Now, this is a program that I I believe she developed. Um, I know she teaches it, and I think she developed it as well, so we'll find out from her, but it's dealing with uh, hairdressers, Hairdressers are someone that women go to, aren't they, uh, a lot of times. And women, when they want to feel better, what do we do? We go put makeup on. We go get our haircut or style. And so this is giving, uh, teaching them, it's all about teaching them about uh, how to f- see or hear or or feel for domestic violence so that they can um, be a helpful community towards helping uh, women and and men heal or actually identify that they've been abused. That That's actually the biggest part is, uh, like I said to a friend of mine one day, I said, you're being abused. And she goes, my gosh, I didn't even notice until you said something. And uh, it, he was horrible to her. Uh, she just thought it was just part of her life. Because when you're in the middle of the storm, you don't see the storm, right? doesn't you can't feel it you can't see it and so that was that's uh one of the biggest problems so she's going to be talking about that and that will be on december 13th thursday december 13th again that's six o'clock pacific time uh seven o'clock seven o'clock um mountain time or eight o'clock central time and then that will be the only one we will have in December, because Christmas is also that month and also that week uh, where we have um, uh, the the show normally on the fourth on the fourth Thursday. So I want everybody to have a great and I, ha- I want everyone to have a great night. Stay safe. Please open your mouths about domestic abuse, and you might be able to find someone who needs your help or someone that you can share this radio show so that we can help them. Have a good night.